Okay, so I just want to encourage you once again, please, today, 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 grab your tickets. There's like 700 tickets that are already out. We need, we need to know, you know, uh, what's going on for next weekend. We're planning accordingly. Uh, we have three services, as you know. If you need more information on service times or information about anything related to the church, please go to our website, weconnect.cc. Uh, starting tonight, we are actually, don't feel any compulsion or obligation to participate, but prior to any kind of a harvest season in our church where we're believing for souls, we always pray and fast. And so we're starting a five-day fast starting tonight, uh, and it will end at our all-access worship night, Friday night. Come on, everybody. So uh, how many plan on attending all-access Friday night? Okay, that's a good Friday to be in church. Uh, it was, it's a good Friday for us. It was a tough one for Jesus, but because of that, we can celebrate, amen? Uh, Friday night, I'm just telling you, just telling you, it's going to be really special. So I really would like to introduce some things to our church before we do, before we introduce some things to the Easter population. So we have, we have a special guest. We have a special uh, service planned. Um, I just got pulled aside from one of our dream teamers. Some of you guys know, guys know Linda Rosa. Linda basically said, Pastor, Pastor, please Beg the church to be there early because the first five minutes are going to be unbelievable. So don't miss. Got to be there the first. If you leave after the first five minutes, that's okay. But you got to be there the first five minutes on Sunday, on Friday night. Okay, Friday night. So, uh, so there is a um, fast going on this week for the first five days. There's a devotional if you'd like to participate on our website. You can just pull that up and you can just see every single day starting today on Palm Sunday. There's a devotional for every day to follow as a church online. Uh, so worship night, all access, Easter tickets. Don't, don't forget that. And most importantly, guys, I, I want to challenge you with something. Um, there, is a, there is a default to do nothing. It's just like church. Like it's, there, it's easy to sit and listen. It's easy to spectate versus participate. I just heard a statistic. This is the most current statistic related to Easter. There is an 82% chance that the people you invite will come to church if you ask them. 82%. All right. Contrast that with this statistic. Two percent of members of churches ask people to come to church. I don't want to be that church. Can you raise your hand and say I'm not going to be that church? Okay. so you should be thinking about what to do, how to do it. We will have a new resource on uh, our Facebook account. Uh, If you're not if you haven't plugged into that, just go check out our Facebook. But there's a share video. It's pretty funny to invite people to church on Easter Sunday. So go look at that, share that, give it away. We have some resources if you need those to uh, to give away as well. Uh, We've done a ton of promotion ourselves. Uh, but I just I want you guys to just make plans to talk to people. You are, and I'm going to be talking about this at our Dream Team event tonight for those of you on the Dream Team. But I, I may be a vision cast person, but you're all vision carriers. We're all vision carriers. And then when we carry the vision, we actually end up casting the vision. And so it, we, the vision only goes as far as we were willing to carry it. Amen? And so we want to help people connect to God in a godly place around godly people. And in order for that to happen, we've got to give away what God has given us. And so this is an incredible opportunity this week. So don't wait till Friday to invite somebody. You should be thinking about it right when you get out of church. I give you permission to text right now, but as soon as our guests come up, you have to stop, okay, if you want to invite somebody to church next Sunday, okay? So open open my eyes is the message. It's going to be incredible. We have a special guest that's coming from the outside in to help us with the service, and I'm not going to tell you who that is, but Friday night, you'll get to meet that special guest if you're here on Friday night for all access, and that same person will be here on Easter Sunday for all three services. So, so I'm telling you, some really good stuff coming up. Amen? All right, listen, um, 
I could not be more proud as a husband or as a father. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to be able to, uh, you know, see your children grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and see your children follow you. It's quite another to see them walk in, 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 this, in their calling and step into ministry. And uh, my son will be preaching this morning, accompanied by my better half, uh, Stacy Fry. And so they're going to finish our service series, uh, Dynasty, starting this morning. And so would you give it up for Devin Fry and Stacy Fry as they come up? Amen. Morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Feeling good? Hey, man, I just want to say to the worship team, you guys are killing it right now. Come on. Um, You can always tell when somebody is kind of ready to get the word and ready to worship because of just the atmosphere that was there. And, uh, man, you guys were hungry today. You guys are real hungry, huh? So uh, we're getting into the word, all right? Uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Devin, and uh, this is my mom, Stacy. Hello, all. Give it up for her. Good morning. Um, man, it's exciting. Uh, I love to preach. I love the church. Anybody love the church? I love our church. I love my church. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love my church. Yeah, I love my church. And, man, we're going to get right into it. Is that okay? Can we get right into the word? Is that cool? <laughs> Um, Before that, I just want to say what an honor it is to be a part of this church, Uh, just a growing church, not only just to be in uh, this community, but um, how many know we're growing? We're we're growing. Things are happening. We're a healthy church. Next week, we're expecting about 1,500 people. How crazy is that? Come on. That's that's incredible. Make sure you guys are there. Make sure you're bringing friends because you can make a huge difference in investment in somebody's life, all right? Awesome. Uh, I just want to honor, uh, again, just uh, my father. Uh, he is an incredible pastor. How many know you got the best pastor in the world? Yeah. 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 Yeah, he paid me to say that. No, I'm just playing. He, he, he didn't tell me to say that. But First uh, Timothy 5 talks about um, pastors and leaders and elders of the church actually um, require, they should get double honor. And uh, sometimes we don't even give single honor, you know? And uh, people who invest so much, you have no idea how much he invests in this. I'm just starting to get into ministry, man. I realize what a burden sometimes it can be because you're working with people. And <laughs> some people are crazy. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so uh, you ought to give not just single honor, but double honor. And whatever that means to you, um, I just would encourage you with that. Your pastor deserves double honor. I'm not just saying that because he's my dad. Pastor Deej deserves double honor. And the leaders in your church, your small group leaders, whoever you're a part of, they deserve double honor. So I want to make it a personal mandate on my life that we give honor where honor is due. Um, So can we just give it up for our leaders and our pastors and everybody in here who are doing that, man? It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. So so like he said, uh, me and mom are going to be preaching today. We're going to shuck the corn as good as you can get it, you know? So it's going to be good. We got, we got, yeah. Some people just getting that. That's like, light bulb. So yeah, uh, we got, it's going to be good, man. So uh, what a cool time it is to be a part of this church and just seeing all the changes and stuff. Like how many know that looks like, like the Millennium Falcon in the back right there. It just looks sick. Like we look like we're in like Star Trek right now. That is hot. Beam me up, Scotty. Yeah, seriously. That's awesome. Uh, apparently not many people are nerds in here, and they don't really know what Star Trek is. Who knows what Star Trek is? Come on. Okay, okay so there are a lot of nerds in here. Holla. Yeah. Maybe it just wasn't that funny. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. Okay, maybe whatever. it was just not that funny. Maybe it was corny. <laughs> okay. 
Anyways, all right, let's get right into it. Uh, series review. Who's liked this series so far? Like Connect Dynasty? You learn a lot about relationships? Anybody learn something? Hey, listen, for all my young people and single people in here, just raise your hand if you're single. Just raise your hand real quick. And now look around. I know you want to. Just look around. You're good. You can do it. I'm just playing. Some people are like, I, I can't really look. It's going to be weird. Whatever. But yeah, uh, last week my dad talked about single life. And um, for me, just in being in the part of my life that I'm in, one of the best messages I've ever heard on it. And uh, I would just encourage you, go back to it. Not just for the single people, but people learning how to be the right person. We talked about becoming the right person, not just trying to look for the right person. And uh, I just know that this series has been incredible. You ought to go back and look at some of the messages that were preached because it is just phenomenal. Okay? So, so far in the series, we have the scripture, uh, John 10.10. 10, and uh, it says this, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. This, uh, the devil's nickname is the thief. He chooses to steal things rather than give. Kind of like my nickname is like Captain Crossover because I'm nasty on the basketball court. But like his nickname is the thief. He comes to steal, strip you of your identity, strip you of things that you really want and need to fulfill your life. He strips you of that. But God, he says, I say, but God, but God, but God, I, this is God speaking, came that they may have and enjoy life. Somebody say life. Life. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want life. And have it in abundance or to the full till it overflows. So here's today. Here's how it's going to go today. I am kind of going to address the problem. I got some experience in this problem that I see in society nowadays. Um, I got experience in this. And my mom is going to address kind of the solution because she's got some experience in that. Um, Maybe you kind of see where this is going right here. (laughs) (laughs) See, I was kind of a little bit of a misfit child, but whatever. Hey, God uses the foolish to shame the wise. Amen. That's right. And don't judge me because I know you got your past too. So (laughs) don't get all up on me right now, okay? Anyways, so we're going to get right into it. Who brought their Bibles? Raise your Bibles up in the air and wave them like you just okay. Hey. Who's got a leather bound Bible? Anybody brought a leather bound Bible? Who's got got an iPad or something like that? Raise your iPads up. Oh, good. We got a lot of glowing Bibles right now. Hey, tell me how you're going to cast a demon out when your batteries run low. Hello. All right, so, <laughs> holla at your boy, leather bound. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love my Bible. My Bible is better than yours. It's genuine leather. <laughs> Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We're going to get into it. All right. Before you get there, we're going to talk about the prodigal child, okay? I believe this message is going to be a message directly for you. I believe God can kind of tailor-make it and just make it directly for your heart. We're going to address a big subject that's very general about prodigal children. And uh, although we're talking about it, and specifically you can use it for parenting and all this kind of stuff, I believe there's a lot of prodigals in this world. And I I was one of them. You were one of them. And you're here now. And so I believe God can tailor-make this message exactly for you. So who's ready and expectant for the word? Anybody? Are you ready? Come on, talk back to me. Now, I'm Pentecostal. I know this is just my family. We, we are just very responsive. So feel free to say back anything that you want. You can say anything from holla at your boy. You can say preach. You can say amen. Preacher white boy is what the, everybody loves to say because they're all racist, but whatever. I'm just kidding. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to read this scripture real quick, Romans 3.10. Uh, open your Bibles to Luke 15. Okay, that's where we're going to go. But this is what it says. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All, somebody say all. All. 
have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Thanks, Devin, for sharing such an incredible, encouraging scripture to begin. I'm going somewhere at this, all right? I just want to know and let you guys know that this is an all play. This is for everybody. If it weren't for Jesus Christ, we would all be going to some same place. And uh, thank God for Jesus. Amen? So all of us at one point in time, um, if it weren't for Jesus, are black, wretch-hearted sinners. We got nothing. We got nothing going for us. But because of Jesus Christ dying for us, taking himself on the cross, and dying for our sins, he took all that from us. Now, this is the gospel message. We can, we're going to get back into it a little bit later. But this is what happens. This is an all play. All God's children got problems. And all of us have made mistakes. There's a great theologian that said, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. Hannah Montana. So, yes. I'm just kidding. She's not a theologian. We need to pray for Miley Cyrus. Somebody said, yeah. Somebody said, yeah. Um, God understands parental pain. You can write that down in your notes. I believe that's your first fill in the blank. God understands parental pain. Why? Because he has children. We are his children. And a lot of us have run away from God. A lot of us have, have fallen away from him. A lot of us have kind of been just run away from our callings. A lot of us have done these kind of things. And God understands this, this thing. He understands the pain that maybe some of the parents are going through in this room. He understands exactly what we are going um, into. So Isaiah 1 says this, Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for, how many know you got some children, you raised them, you love them to death. But when they go off and run away, that's just struggle, man. That, that, that's what hurts bad. The children I raised for and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner. Even a dumb ox knows its owner. He realizes the leadership role that his owner plays. Some of you guys may be struggling to uh, stop swearing. Just start, start using dumb ox. You can start saying that to somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm just kidding. Don't say that. Don't say that. And a donkey recognizes its master. Some people may use, uh, this, is, this term has evolved over the years. We don't really use donkey anymore. It's a little different. Light bulbs will come on later. Recognize its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. Israel is God's chosen people. You know you're called. Do you know that? Turn to your neighbor and say you're called. You're chosen. Israel doesn't even know its own master. How crazy is that? Even a dumb ox, an animal that literally knows nothing, knows its master. And sometimes God's chosen people don't even know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Here's the problem nowadays is too many people are running away from the call of God on their life. Too many people are running away from the church. Too many people are running away from home. And especially my age nowadays, we're kind of known for being young and reckless. There's these T-shirt brand that says Young and Reckless by a guy named Rod Deerdick. I have a couple of shirts of those. I think it's a cool shirt. But nowadays, it's become cool to be young and reckless, young and wild. We live this YOLO lifestyle. Who knows what YOLO means? You only live once. That's what, that's what this motto is, YOLO. You only live once. You got to live it up. Be young and reckless. Go waste your life away. But I find that a lot of times this wasting away of life is just bringing you to a place of just unfulfillment, discomfort, dissatisfaction. You know what prodigal means in the dictionary? It says this, prodigal defined is spending money or resources freely and recklessly. It's almost as if this brand name company used prodigal as like a definition. Wastefully extravagant. Somebody say wasteful. wasteful. Prodigal defined is wasteful. There are too many people wasting their lives away nowadays. 
I know just for me personally, um, I did that for a long time. And we're going to get into it. I have three points I got for you, three observations about prodigal living. And, uh, and I hope it's going to help you. You ready for it? Good. Uh, my definition, real quick, is just this. is Prodigals are people without purpose. Prodigals are people without purpose. That's bonus material. I always want to say that, Dad. That was sick. Bonus material right there. You can write that there. All right, open your Bibles, Luke 15. We're going to read about eight scriptures um, and go from there. Luke 15, starting in verse 11. It says this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The young one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. You ought to circle that in your Bible, wild living right there. Wild living. Also, just a side note, for the people who like to write in their Bible, I just believe that I should write in my Bible because a dirty Bible really leaves for a clean living. And uh, so they squandered their wealth on wild living. There are too many people wildly living nowadays, and it causes so much dissatisfaction. I just know from my generation, this is my personal mandate on my life. I want to become kind of a pastoral role and be a leader to young people nowadays because I believe my mandate is to bring those people wildly living into their wild calling. I don't think anymore that people should be wildly living and carelessly wasting their life away. I just know, just for me, we, we lead a small group. I lead a small group at Second Service. We have all these young adults here in this section right here. And, uh, man, we've seen, like, about 85 people come in and out of that small group in the past three semesters. We've had people get saved. We've had people get delivered. We've had people been prayed for, all this kind of stuff. It's been crazy. We had so many people one time, so many cars lined up in this, in this uh, driveway that cops came by. Seriously, this, this, we're having church. People and cops come by. That's pretty cool. I wish, I wish the cop came into the house, knocked on the door, and like, hey, is there a house party? No, we're having a Bible study. You want to come in? Come on now. That's sick. <laughs> Listen, God's moving in this community, and he's going to move far greater. I am, I am determined to see this whole auditorium packed with young people. We're going to have a service one day. We're going to have young people packed with this place. And people are going to start seeing callings defined again, dreams restored and resurrected, because it is far too important to waste that life. Way too important to waste that life. While living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine. Notice, if you're wasting everything away, there's going to be a severe famine in your life. And normally this is how people come back to God, because they got nothing. They got absolutely nothing. A severe famine came. And that whole country, and he began to be in need. I mean, no, we need a home. We need something. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. The only person that can give you satisfaction is big man upstairs. Come on now. When he came to his senses, and I pray that this is what happens to a lot of us in here today, he said, how many of our father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Wow. That's incredible right there. He doesn't even recognize that he's a son anymore. We're going to get back to that in a minute. Make me like one of your hired men. Uh, would you pray with me before we get into the message? Father God, uh, we love you so much. Thank you just for being here. Lord Holy Spirit, we ask you to show up, show off in this place. As we address the subject of prodigal living, prodigal sons and daughters, and, um, I ask that you bring them home. 
You will bring people home. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. We ask that you throw your weight around in this place. You, uh, you change lives. Help me to speak clearly and my mom to speak clearly your word so that we can do exactly what it is that we want us to do. In Jesus' name. And we love you, Lord. Amen. All right, uh, number one, go in your notes and then write this down. Prodigal living leads to dissatisfaction. Prodigal living leads to dissatisfaction. Luke 15, uh, verse 15 says, So he went to work with one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the bean pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. How many know he was dissatisfied with the food that was on his table? And it says later on, this guy, they didn't even let him eat with the pigs. How crazy is that? He's eating literally the dirt of the earth. Pigs are one of the dirtiest animals ever, although they produce bacon. Somebody said amen, all the men. Come on. Bacon is from God, and I believe it's going to be in heaven as well as Chick-fil-A. But anyways, um, I wrote this down. Too many people are eating from the slop when we should be eating in a palace. You know what the Bible says about you? First Peter 2.9, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. God doesn't make his kids eat from troughs. He doesn't make them eat from slops or pigs' pens. I'm not saying this is the prosperity gospel, and I'm not saying that we're all supposed to have mansions in heaven. That's not what I'm saying here. But you're not supposed to be eating from a trough. You're supposed to have a life that is fulfilled, satisfied, and you're supposed to be walking in your calling. Matthew 11:28 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Jesus is the only one that can give you rest and to give you that fulfillment and to give you that satisfaction. Prodigal living leads to dissatisfaction. Number two, prodigal living steals your vision. Write that down. Prodigal living steals your vision. Verse 12 says, there undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country and he began to hurt. He didn't see that famine coming. He didn't know this famine was going to come. He didn't know that this stuff was happening to him because he wanted to follow just the rest of the world. He wanted to do exactly what everybody else is doing with prodigal living, wasting their life away, partying, drinking, using, and, and buying prostitutes, all this kind of stuff. This is what he was doing. He was wasting away. He didn't see what was coming to him. And this is what happens. Prodigal living steals your vision. You know what the Bible says? What, what does it say? <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Come on. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That was funny. I don't care what you say. Where there's no vision, the people perish. If you don't know and you don't have a vision for your life, if you don't have a purpose for your life, you don't know where you're going, of course you're going to wastefully live. You ought to pray, people, uh, for the adults and the mentors and the parents in here. You ought to pray for young people to discover their purpose. You ought to pray for the people to find out what their purpose and their calling is. Because when you know your purpose and you know what you're here for, God will, will just rock your world. He will rock your world. I believe that totally. Dad always said responsibility changed my life. You know how I know my dad's never going to fall away from the faith or going to do this kind of stuff? Because he's got too much riding on him. He, ha- he doesn't even have time to sin. That's what he tells me sometimes. He doesn't even have, literally, he doesn't even have time. Too many people don't have enough responsibility. There's too many people being lazy. There's too many people not giving it all they got to people. You know, 
I think the best thing, most practical thing you could do is to start mentoring somebody. See, you think you're signing up to mentor somebody just because it's good for you. But I promise you, you're not going to change them. They're going to change you. You start mentoring somebody, watch what happens because you get a responsibility. I have to lead this person. I know just with my friend. Um, he became a godfather and uh, to, to this boy. And uh, I love him to death as well. But he just took on this responsibility. This, this, this guy, he's right about me. He's looking up to me. And I got to lead him well. And, and his life has changed, man. Of course, Jesus Christ living through him. But his life has changed because he got some responsibility. Start mentoring somebody. Start taking care of somebody and watch your life drastically change. Number three, prodigal living strips your identity. I'm going to pass it off to mom in a minute, but prodigal living strips your identity. Verse 18, it says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. See, he didn't identify himself as a son, but he identified himself as a slave. And a lot of people are slaves to a lot of things nowadays. But you need to know you are a son and a child of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. So so many people are living a slave kind of failed life, living behind bars, imprisoned by these fears and these bondages. But that's not what you're supposed to be living like. You're supposed to be living like a son or a daughter in the faith. See, we do things we don't want to do to impress people we don't even like. That's just what happens nowadays. For real. That's why we buy those flashy cars. That's why we got to go and do these things. Because we want to impress people we don't even like. Start living like a son. Start living like a daughter. First John 5.18 says, We know that no children of God keep on sinning. For the Son of God keeps them safe. And the evil one cannot harm them. See, right standing with God produces the right behavior. I've seen it far too much. People wastefully living. Giving their lives away. Not making a difference. And I'm sick of it. I think you are too. There's too many people running away from their calling. And that's why the world is the way it is. Because people are running away from their calling. Mm -hmm. We need your calling. We need you to be obedient to what God says. There are people out there you can reach that I can't. You need to be obedient to your calling. And maybe today you literally have a prodigal son or daughter that's wastefully living. Maybe you have a prodigal friend or coworker. Maybe you have a prodigal just anything. Replace prodigal son with whoever you're thinking of. And start being obedient to what God says. So the question is, how do we reach our prodigals? How do we do that? How do we reach our prodigals? So Jesus told us this story in Luke 15 that Devin read to us. Um, and, and we can correlate it to our lives. Like we, the, the prodigal son represents us. And the father in the story represents God the father. So we're going to talk about three things today that um, we can do to reach our prodigal that we see in the story that God does for us. You may be, um, you know, you may have been a prodigal. You may know one. You may have prodigal times in your heart. And I'm going to share um, a couple times of that in my heart where, where I was prodigal living, so to speak. Um, so the first thing is unwavering prayer. That is so important. You cannot ever give up praying. Um, Colossians 1, 9 and 10, it's in your notes. We have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. That has been my prayer for my own kids for, since they were born. Romans eight thirty four. this is not in your notes, but it says that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. So we need to take that as an example. He's praying for us 
Therefore, we need to be that kind of father or that kind of mother or that kind of friend to the other people in our lives to pray for them. We need to have unwavering prayer for our kids, not just the prodigals, but we need to pray for the ones that are the good kids so they don't become prodigals as well. Um, I have this prayer calendar that somebody gave me about, I don't know, eight, eight years ago, I think. And um, because in parenting, there are, how many of just overwhelmed sometimes, like at how much you got to teach your kids in a short amount of time? Okay, this thing is, I feel like it is the most wonderful thing that I have. I cherish it. I was even thinking, I don't know if I want to bring it because what if it gets like, put somewhere and I can't find it? Um, because it's a calendar for every single day and it goes through every single kind of co- topic that you would need to pray for your kids. And I pray it for it every day, pray for my kids every day, every year, the same things over and over and over again. Because there's some things, like Jesus said in the Bible that says, um, he said, you know, there's some things that have to be done with prayer and fasting. And when you're dealing with stubborn little wheels in your children, some things need prayer and fasting and over and over and over again. So um, I encourage you to like try to, I don't know, Google it or Amazon or something, but it's the power of a praying parent calendar. And it's, it's just been such a wonderful um, resource that I have. But um, so in, in this unwavering prayer, I want to highlight four different things that we prayed for over the years that were kind of heavy hitters that encompass a big area. So the first one is pray that they will have the right friends. This is so important. You've heard my husband say from up here that we teach our kids. Um, we tell them all the time, the, your friends will determine the course and direction of your life. Um, Proverbs 1, 10 through 15, it's, it's talking about when sinners entice you and um, they're trying to get, the, it says they try to get you to hide and kill someone. Okay, they might not be trying to hide and kill someone, but they may be trying to get them to smoke this or drink this or party here or, you know, look at this or whatever. And it says, the Bible says, don't go along with them. Stay away from them because it will rob you of life. I do not want life robbed from my kids. So I'm going to be praying, and I have prayed their whole lives, who their friends are. Um, you know, we, there, I've heard a saying that says, show me your top five friends, and I'll show you where you'll be in five years. So true. Might be a little scary. Um, we also told our kids, you know, taught them the whole concept of you're guilty by association. I mean, it's sad but true. So if they're doing something, they can get them, if, if they're hanging out with their friends and their friends are doing something wrong and they're not, they can still get in trouble. And, I mean, gosh, that's, I think of a story when Devin had picked up two kids from the barbershop and they were rolling like doobies in the back seat. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's telling me this. And I'm thinking, oh, you could have gotten thrown in jail just for driving those kids. Let but me preface, he was, it's not because I let them, okay? No, it was, he was, it was an outreach. He had just, they were like, hey, dude, can you take me home? I looked in the back seat and I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like, can Stop you uh, that. not do that? But it ended up, the guy was like, hey, man, I totally respect you. You know, that's awesome you, that you don't do that kind of stuff. So, okay, that's not even in my notes. But I'm telling you, <laughs> guilty by association is scary. So we prayed for the right kind of friends. And, you know, it wasn't always easy for our kids because when they're growing up, we, we taught our kids, you know, you're, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. And so we had to teach them at an early age of how not to be high and mighty and, you know, go to the friends and say, well, you know, I like you, but my parents don't want me to hang out with you because you're bad. You know, that's all we would need for them to go home and tell their parents that because then we would never have any influence. And we're trying to win this community for Christ. So having our kids go and say, you know, 
we're so much greater than you are. That doesn't really, that's not a way to win friends and influence people. So um, we had to teach them. We had to have many conversations. Okay, this is how you say it. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to distance yourself. This is how you need to be an example in those kinds of situations. So there was a lot of teaching. It wasn't just, oh, nope, you can't hang out with them. So we, ha- we had to teach our kids. And this is when you have to have wisdom because, like I said, you're in the world but not of the world. So we would make sure that our kids would have their friends over to our house because I don't know what's going on in their houses, but I do know what's going on in my house. And you can hear, you can hear and eavesdrop and <laughs> listen to what things pe- the, the friends are saying, and you can tell a lot about their friends. And so I used it as coaching opportunities. I mean, I, I have to say, there were times where I was standing at the door going like this. You know, so they couldn't see me around the, ha- the, the hallway, and I was like, listening. So then I would use that as a teaching opportunity. Okay? They're in my house. I can eavesdrop. I, the door was open. Don't judge. All right. Um, <laughs> so now I, I want to say this, too. We... Did not, we didn't, I'm not standing here today telling you we did everything right and our kids are awesome and we're perfect. They weren't. We made mistakes. And this next little part I'm going to tell you is, again, don't judge me, okay? So this was our philosophy. This is our mentality. Um, we, we wanted to make sure that our kids um, had some privileges and some freedoms and liberties before they got out of our house so that when they left our house, they didn't go, you know, crazy prodigal son living, um, so, everybody drop your rocks real quick. All right, so, it, starting in like their junior and senior year, we wanted to give them some privileges. Now, I don't have all the time to tell you all the different steps that took for us to even consider giving them some of these privileges, but we would let them go to parties. <gasps> yes, and we knew that there would be drinking or smoking. <gasps> okay, drop your rocks. So, like I said, I don't have all the time to tell you all the things, but I will tell you a couple things. We started, they had to, they knew that they had to build our trust starting in middle school. Morgan, our youngest, is 15 right now. A couple years ago, we already started saying, hey, listen, when you're 16, you're going to want our trust because if you don't have our trust, I'm not letting you go anywhere. You won't even have a car. You won't do anything. You'll be sitting here with me. So I'd say, tell me everything. Tell me all about your friends. You know, I mean, some of, our, some of our kids had to, like, pull information out of them, and we still didn't get anything. Then I have two kids that would come home and go, oh, Mom, guess what so-and-so is doing? And this, these people are liking each other. And I, knew all, I know the whole junior class right now in high school, and I know all their business. Not really. Um, but they would tell me. It would, I would tell them, this is how you build my trust. You tell me everything. I, I can find out your thought processes. I can see what you think is wrong, what you think is not. So, so Mallory was one that would tell us everything as well, almost everything. And um, she, would, she would say, Mom, you know, this is, now she built our trust all along the way. And um, so her senior year, she, was, um, she would say, you know, hey, Mom, can I, is it okay if I go to so-and-so's house? You know, they're going to be drinking and smoking at the bonfire. You know that, right? Yes, I know that. All right, go ahead. So now I know, again, I know you think I'm crazy, but I had a trust relationship with her. Now, did she, was she always perfect? No. Did she drink one or two times? Mm-hmm. She did. Did I know about it at the time? No. But I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fret not, my people. It didn't matter if I knew about it. Okay. But, so anyway, um, she, but she would say, she would show me text after she got home, and she would say, Mom, look, 
I'll call him Bob to protect the guilty. Um, she would say, Mom, Bob texted me and said, you know, that he didn't want to smoke tonight because he knew I'd be there. So he waited till after I left. I was like, oh, that's a win, okay? I, he didn't smoke with you. Um, I, she never smoked, by the way. Um, but then she would show me other texts that people would say, send her, you know, Facebook messages or whatever saying, gosh, I wish I had the strength that you had at prom not to drink when everybody else was. You know, so again, they made mistakes in that area, but very little, I mean, minimal mistakes, but they knew that they still had to be the stronger influence on their friends. And we always told them, the minute you're not the stronger influence on your friends, that's the minute that you're not hanging out with them anymore. Because again, we're supposed to be in the world. They, my kids, were, I taught them, we taught them, you are leaders. I don't care what position you're in, what friendship area you're in, you're leaders. Lead these people. Did we say, be perfect and lead these people? No, lead these people. They had to choose the right kind of friends. And when you're, you know, when your kids are in public school, you don't always have the option of, you know, oh, everybody's Christian families and doing everything the same way. No, you don't have that opportunity. So they still need friends, but they need to be the stronger influence on them. So um, we, we did have to build, they had to build our trust in order for us to, to let them Go hang out with certain friends, but pray that your kids choose the right friends and have godly ones, or at least if they're not Christian godly friends, have, let them have good character. So you want to pray, pray that. The second thing that we want to pray when we're in an unwavering prayer is pray that they will ca- get caught when they're guilty. Okay, now this is not a prayer out of spite. <laughs> let them get caught. Zap them. No, it is out of concern for your children. As a teacher... You know, one of the things um, I hate to see is, how many of you hold your pencil some other way than just the normal, like, your little pinchers? How many hold it some kind of funky, weird way? Oh, good, not as many as I thought would be. Okay, that's a travesty to me, because that means that you've gone your whole life thinking that it's okay to hold your pencil with wacky fingers, okay? I don't want to see kids, you know, or anyone, adults as well, go through life thinking that they're getting away with something that's not good for them or that's harmful to them. So I want to make sure that they, um, that they have the right mindset on not doing things the, the wrong way. Um, so Devin and Derek were both like this in that they had, they, their sin would find them out literally almost every single time they did something. Um, and Devin's going to tell you a little bit about that in a few minutes. But um, there's nothing like that kind of ca- accountability. You know, I mean, if, you, if we knew that we would get in trouble or that we'd be found out every time we did something wrong, wouldn't that cut down on some things that we'd be doing, you know? Absolutely. So you don't want your kids getting away with something that they think they're just getting away with. Um, so pray that they can't get away with anything for their own good. The next thing here is pray that God will do whatever it takes. Um, Jeremiah 17, 23 and Proverbs 29, 1 says, yet they didn't listen or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and wouldn't listen or respond to discipline. Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be, re- be destroyed without remedy. Okay, so this is the prayer that you want to pray before it comes to your children being stiff-necked. You want to pray, God, whatever it takes, get their attention. Okay, and God does it many different ways before it ever gets to the point of destroying someone. God doesn't do that. He's a good God. He uses his word. He uses people in your life. He uses your circumstances to get your attention just so that you don't get to that point where you're stiff-necked. And so 
um, if you ever, if you want to know if there's any part of a control freak in you, pray this prayer. Lord, do whatever it takes to get my child's attention because it's scary. It's scary. I mean, you could pray that for your spouse, for your, for, you know, your family members or whatever. It's a scary thought thinking, oh my gosh, what might it take to get my child's attention? Um, but the prodigal son, he had to get to that point. That father might have been praying, God, do whatever it takes to bring my son home. And the prodigal son had to get to that point of complete dissatisfaction. And he got there because first he had a breakup with his father. And then he had a breakdown when he lost everything. But then he had his breakthrough because he was, God got his attention finally when he was eating pea pods with the pigs. And I've prayed that over my kids all, not that often, every, you know, it's not a prayer I pray all the time because I try to pray other prayers that, before they get to that point. Um, but even when they thought, like I said earlier, when they thought that I didn't, you know, that they were pulling the wool over my eyes or that they, you know, spoofed me and really tricked me, that, there wasn't, I, I had already laid a, a, a foundation in prayer knowing that I wasn't the one that they had to worry about if I found out about it. I had laid the foundation. I had already, I had already sicked the holy hound of heaven on them. I remember, I remember uh, literally, I'm not going to share the detail because it would be way too embarrassing, but right before I was about to do stupid stuff, I would always get a phone call or a text message. It's mom. Hello. Uh, hey, Deb. I just got to check in my spirit that, um, <laughs> are you doing okay? I'm like, what? How did you? That's how I knew, like, God was real. I'm, I'm not kidding. This was the first revelation I ever had. I was like, I know God is real, and I know I have a call in my life. Because literally this would happen every single time. One time I was playing basketball. I skipped out on, like, maybe it was a class. I can't remember what it was. I skipped out on class. Literally just missed school. Went to the basketball court at Stone Park, and somebody called my mom and said, hey, I don't know if it's whatever, if it's supposed to happen, but um, is Devin supposed to be at the basketball court? And she's like, oh, I'll take care of it. Beep. And then she called. <laughs> hey, Dev, I just got to check in my spirit that, um, <laughs> that like, are you supposed to be there? I literally hated when she used to say, just got to check in my spirit. Just check it. <laughs> Hey, just check your spirits. And never divulge your resources, ladies. <laughs> it could be the Holy Spirit. It could be somebody driving by. It could be, you know, I was listening in. <laughs> so it was my spirit because my spirit was totally like, you know, whole, it was checked. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, another point there when you're unwavering prayer is pray for wisdom for you and your child. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask for it and it will be given to you. Okay, so I've always prayed, again, I, I, I like to cover big areas just so that in case I, I'm not a detail person, so in case I miss some details, I've got the whole thing covered in prayer. But I would always pray, Lord, give my children wisdom beyond their years and character that's pleasing to you. Because I figured that kind of covers everything. If they don't know what to do in a situation, they'll have wisdom and know what to do. And if they have good character, maybe they won't be in that precarious situation in the first place. So I felt like that kind of covered everything. So, and then not just ask the Lord for wisdom for your children, but ask the Lord for wisdom for you. He is the one that gave you these children. He knows what it takes to get their attention. He knows how they need to be loved. He knows how they need to be disciplined. So ask him. And each child is different. You know, um, we're, we're all different. So um, when you ask for wisdom, 
It brings us to our second point, which Proverbs 19.11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. Okay, so our number two point is how we're going to reach our prodigals is unending patience. Uh, Galatians 6.9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We cannot give up. Um, patience, uh, the, the definition of patience is an ability to suppress annoyance when confronted with delay. Okay, I will admit to you, this was not my strong suit. No comments from the peanut gallery, wherever my other kids are. Um, I, I struggled with being patient. Um, so I would always kind of joke around with my kids, but I was being totally 100% serious, and I would say, well, listen, if you did what I say to do, when I say to do it, we wouldn't have a problem now, would we? I'm thinking, you know, do what I say, and well, I'm not impatient then. Um, but behind closed doors or, you know, in my, in my prayer time, I mean, I would beg God. I would plead with God through tears. I can't tell you how many tears were shed over the years of just, ugh, just, I just wanted to be patient. Because um, I never wanted my kids to hate me or, you know, be irritated with me, or I never wanted anybody else to treat my kids like I was speaking to them or whatever, you know. I was desperate for God to change me, and I would just beg God to please, you know, give me patience, give me patience, Lord, until I wised up and realized that when I'm asking God to give me patience, (laughs) he gives me opportunities (laughs) to grow my patience. I didn't want the opportunities. I wanted him to wave his miracle-working wand and poof, I was patient. Careful so what I stopped you ask asking for. for that. Careful what you ask for. Yes, be careful what you ask for. So I always tell my moms with young kids, I always go, don't ask for patience, whatever you do. <laughs> so, um, but I can say this, though, that my impatience, although it was a growth area for me, it was something that God saw in my heart, and I truly wanted the best for my children. I wanted them to walk in their calling at age five. Go! Dude, you know, tell the world about Jesus at five. You know, but I had to learn to suppress my annoyance at their delay in walking in their calling. You know, so that was my area. And I also, it was also an area for me that I needed my faith to know that they would grow into their calling. But patience is a virtue that I didn't really have. And they, 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 had, they would walk into that calling. Luke 15, 20 One of the verses that Devin read says, but while he, talking about the prodigal son, was still a long way off, his father saw him. We have to be able to see that our kids will return, that our kids will walk in the calling. We need to have a vision for that and know that they will walk in that calling. And this is where my heart was prodigal sometimes. I was like, well, how are you going to do that and change him into this? What? You know, I didn't trust him. I didn't trust them totally in those moments. And that's where I was a prodigal because it says, like, the children of Israel, they were prodigal children to God the Father because they didn't trust him. And he had proven time again that he he was faithful. So when Devin was about eight years old, um, God gave me a vision for him that, that he would be preaching in front of hundreds of people. And look at that. Praise the Lord. But I will say... It didn't just all of a sudden happen. There was 10 years there from 8 to 18. That's when I was going, how are you going to do that, Lord? Because there's nothing showing me that he's going to be there in 10 years. But I had to have the unending patience knowing 
and having the vision that God the Father would see through what he gave me in that vision. And thankfully, he brought it to pass. But my unending patience had ended. It was gone. But his breakthrough was right around the corner. So if you can learn from my mistakes and know that when you claim over your children and you confess over them, you know, over your prodigal or over your friends or family members, that they will walk with the Lord, that it will come to pass. Have the faith and have the patience to be able to see that through because patience is a virtue. Just don't give up. Um, like it says in, in Galatians 6, 9, don't give up. Ha- keep, ha- keep praying unwavering prayer. Keep having unending patience. And the last point there is have unconditional love. Again, Luke 15, 20, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And there's a, there was a song by Benny Hester, and it said, the only time I ever saw God run was when he ran to me, wrapped his arms around me, held my, lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes, and said, son, I know I love you. And that's what we need to be able to do is when, when we have prodigal sons that are, you know, straying or prodigal daughters or friends, family members, we have, or ourselves, we have to say, okay, let me, let me go back to what I know to be true, and that is God loves me unconditionally. In order to, um, you know, when, when the prodigal son came home, the father didn't rub it in his face and remind him of his mistakes and say, well, you already took your inheritance. There's not any more inheritance to give you. You know, you, there's consequences to your son. All he did was he hugged him, killed the fatted calf, gave him a ring, gave him the robe, put his new sandals on his feet. He knew, the son knew, I'm loved. I'm welcomed back with open arms. And that's what God does for us because he loves us, not because of what we do or don't do. He loves us because we're his. And that's what we need to be able to relay to our children. And in order to paint a clear picture of unconditional love, I want to give you what the opposite is, which is uh, performance-based love. And I want to demonstrate how this worked in our family So we confirmed the anointing and the identity of our children, not their gifts. And because that was performance. If if they performed well, we didn't just all of a sudden start praising them and show them love because that's performance-based love. And if that were the case, all four of them at one point or another would have been up a creek because they were not performing to our standards. So I'll give you an example about Devin. This is a good one, so don't worry. Um. So we had a 10 to 1 rule in our family where 10, 10 positives to 1 negative. And it, w- it was, you know, for the kids and it was for us in parenting. The kids, if they said something negative to their sibling, they had to respond. They had to sit them down and, and give 10 positives. You should have seen this one. That was pretty funny. You'd be like, your hair's pretty, your eyes are blue. You're, we'd say, no, it can't be just what they look like. Because, again, we didn't want their identity to be wrapped up in what they look like. You know, so he'd be like, um, you sing awesome. Um, Your personality's all right. Uh, yeah. You're like, can I be doing mom? Ten. Ten to one. Ten to one. Stop saying mean things to him. You know. So anyway, but it went for us, too, as parents. So Devin was an amazing basketball player in high school, and he still is. And um, he, he, what? Yes, as he already told you. In the beginning. Um, but he, he was a starter. He was a team captain. He had great skills. He was a great shooter. He was actually selfless on the court. It was, he was just very gifted. And so Derek and I loved when basketball season came around because it was so much easier to get to that 10 to 1 rule, you know. There were times where, oh my goodness, we were like 
I think, I don't even think I have one. Can, you know, so, but basketball season made it easier because he did awesome being a leader, not just performing well, because he did do that. But we didn't just always say, oh, Devin, you're such a great basketball player. No, we said, you know what, Devin, I loved it when you led on the court. I loved it when you, um, you know, gave up your spot on senior night for the one senior that didn't ever get to start. I loved when you did that. I mean, we praised character. We praised leadership skills because we did not want him to think that his identity was wrapped up in that I'm all that as a basketball player. I mean, you can see that it still does. It's still a little bit in there. (laughs) Um, But we encouraged leadership. We encouraged character. And we did that for our girls too. They're all nasty athletes as well. But they know that their identity is not wrapped up in that. Because if you encourage just the gift in your child, if you just show them love when they're performing, what happens when they can't perform? What happens when he can't play basketball anymore? What happens if they can't write well anymore or, or they've lost the gift of singing or whatever? What, what happens when they don't have that gift? Do they know that we still love them? Absolutely, because we encourage the identity of our children. We love them um, and we showed them love because they were our, ours, not just because of what they did or didn't do. And that's what God says to us. We sing a song that, um, it, called Who Am I? And it says, it's not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. It's not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. And we have to remember that our value and our worth comes from whose we are. It's our identity. And that is where unconditional love comes in. That's good. That's Man, I was uh, I was definitely a little bit of a wild child, and that's kind of an understatement. But um, there's one thing that my mom and dad always said to me, just to kind of reaffirm my anointing, my my calling, my life. Um, and they used to come up to me and they said, "You know, Devin, there's nothing you could ever do to make me love you less." So I always said to me, "You know, at the times, I'll be honest, it didn't really get to my heart. It just kind of was like, okay, I got it, cool. I'm figuring this thing out by myself." But, um, but man, that sticks to me now, you know. There's nothing you could ever do to make me love you less. And in, in uh, God's terms, you can never do anything to make, him, to make him love you less. No matter what you do. No matter what. God sees sin all equally. And no matter what you do, he can never make you, he, he will never love you less. Um, if you could just put your Bibles and notes away and all that kind of stuff. Let you wrestle for a second, but uh, could everybody stand with me? I hope some of that encouraged you a little bit. I know a little different kind of way we're doing it, but um, I'm going to read this little passage of scripture, and then I'll uh, respect your time and dismiss you. But Luke 15, closing out on this thing, verse 19 through 24, it says this. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was so filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, prepare this big, long speech. Some, some of you guys have been doing that too. Preparing this long speech about how, why I can't get into the church. Why I can't become a leader. Why I can't do this or do that. Why I have to... Fix this before I can give my life to God. Preparing this big speech. 
And this is what he said. Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And notice this. The father doesn't even address what he was talking about. Completely ignores it. And he says, but, but the father says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. And put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. And sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. And this is my favorite verse right here. For this son of mine was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I just believe the word for you for this message is you need to come home. I believe for some of the people you've been praying for, is this time they're coming home. And it's time you be like the Father. Maybe you have given your life to Christ. You have given your life to God before. Maybe you just need to open your arms and know that he's coming home. Your prodigal son, your prodigal friend, your prodigal whatever is coming home. It's time to come home. And then I don't know if any of you guys have ever been lost before. Who's ever been lost by a raise of hands? You know that feeling of, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I need somebody's help. I remember a time when I was off in Bible college, and we went to this little kind of adventure race. We did a 30-mile hiking trip. It was crazy. We had backpacks, 90-pound backpacks, carrying all this kind of stuff, and we separated in a few different teams. One team was lost all the way in the back. These three teams finished over this race. Um, I was one of the teams that finished, and I know there was this one team far off in the distance, literally had no idea where they were, went off the trail, all this kind of stuff, and our leader ran after them. This, this guy ran 13 miles to go find them. And this team uh, didn't have cell phone reception. They had, they had a cell phone, but there was no cell phone reception. We're in the mountains of Alabama, and we couldn't find them. We had no, like, they were literally going to have to camp over the night, freezing cold mountains, all this kind of stuff. They were lost. They didn't know what they were doing. And our leader, our pastor, went off, ran after them 13 miles, found them, and brought them back to the camp because he knew where the camp was because that was his home. And I believe some of you guys are lost and have that feeling of, oh, my gosh, I'm gripped by fear. I have no idea what I'm doing. All you got to do is come home. Somebody's running after you. God's running after you. Just like the sermon message was talking about. God is running after you. It's time you just let him lead you home. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I just want to let you know and remind you that your God loves you so much. He's never going to give up on you because you're his kid. I'm going to pray for two people in here. I'm going to ask and give this, this kind of thing to you. Is Jesus Christ did not die to make bad people good. He died so he can make dead people alive. And I'm going to ask you, have you given your heart over to God before? Have you done this? If you've never done this and this is your first time, I would like to offer this invitation to you. This is the best thing you could ever do in your entire life, the most important decision you could ever make because tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation for you. And I believe that I speak that into existence. So I'm going to count to three. And when I hit three, I just want somebody, if you feel in your heart the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit talking to your heart, whatever that thing is, it's not your conscience, that's the Holy Spirit. He's a person and he's speaking to your heart. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to just raise your hand up between you and me. Say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. One, God loves you. He died for you, and he'll do it again if he had to. Two, tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation. Three, just raise your hand for me just so you can accept Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand on the left right here. I see the hand in the middle. 
That's awesome. Is there anybody else? I see that hand in the back. I see those two hands in the back. I see that hand, sir. Amen. Is there anybody else? just want to give it a moment for you. Best decision you could ever make in your life. Right here. That's awesome. Just put your hands down. And then for another group, I just want to say, you know, some of you have been running away, wastefully living your life. You know, it's time to come home and it's time to start making a difference again. It's time to get plugged into a church. It's time to start making um, things happen. I want to give that invitation. If anybody wants to just commit their life, recommit their life to Jesus, get plugged in to the vine because you are branch. You want to get back into the home. just want to give this opportunity. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me? That's me, Dev. I want to get recommitted. I want to recommit my life. I see those hands. I see that hand. That's awesome. It's time to come home. All right, pray this with me out loud as I say it. Uh, Father, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for Jesus. And he died for me. I repent of my sins. I thank you for forgiving me. I ask you into my heart, Lord. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. I love you, Father. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name. Let me just pray this prayer for you guys. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would bring people back home. Not just, not just with this decision in their heart, although they made it now, and thank God for that. But, Father, I ask that you would help them make a difference with their life, not just wastefully living away, living this prodigal lifestyle anymore, Father, but living a life that is worthy of their calling. They are called. They are chosen. They are royal priesthood. And in Jesus' name, I declare that there are people, there are new pastors rising up today. There are new leaders rising up, that there are men who are going to come back to their families and lead their families well. There are going to be people in this place who go into their schools and go say, I'm not going to follow what the world says because I'm going to follow what God says. I'm not going to do anything anymore that's just wastefully living my life because I know I have a purpose. I know I have a plan. I know God has a plan for me. And no longer will I follow that way. And in Jesus' name, may that be. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. Can we give our hands up for God today?